Welcome to Beyond Distribution with GTDC Podcast. The IT industry is a stronger community thanks to leaders like Lori Kornmesser, SVP, Worldwide Channel and Alliance Sales at DeepWatch. In this episode, the esteemed executive, diversity champion, and CRN Women of the Channel Power 100 member shares her insights on a variety of topics with host Frank Vitagliano. She highlights the shifting dynamics between vendors, partners, and end users, and why distributors are an essential part of her playbook. Welcome, everybody, to uh, the next Beyond Distribution uh, with GTDC podcast. Uh, I'm delighted today to have with me Lori Kornmesser, uh, Senior VP of Global Channel Sales and Alliances for DeepWatch. Lori, welcome. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yeah, so I, I have to make sure everybody knows up front, there's a disclosure, Lori and I worked together for, uh, I don't know, probably four or five years at Juniper, uh, maybe longer. Uh, so if we end up with any, you know, old Juniper references, it's okay, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Laurie, I know a lot about your story, um, but tell, talk to our listeners a little bit about how you got into IT, why you chose an, you know, an IT career, and just some of the back, you know, backstory uh, information uh, uh, that will be useful for you know people to hear. Absolutely, um, and thank you, Frank, for having me on. I mean, it's it's one of these rare moments where you get to come back and and actually be on a podcast with somebody that you work so closely with and for so delighted to be here um you know i never really chose a career in it i always say it kind of chose me right i was i was in law and i wanted to be a civil rights attorney and i literally met some people one night that were dressed really nicely smelled good, had big watches. I'm like, what do you guys do? And they said, we're in IT sales. I had no idea what that was. And um, I ended up connecting with the woman and she gave me a job. And in my first job was in distribution. I was an inside seller at distributor. And um, the rest is kind of history from there. But, you know, I, that's how I got started. I didn't, you know, really intend to be in IT. I didn't know what it was, but Man, am I glad to have had that moment for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, a lot of people that are in the business environment it happens that way. I mean, you know, if you go to school to be a lawyer, you're probably going to be a lawyer. If you go to school to be a doctor, you're probably going to be a doctor. But if you end up going to, you know, business school, um, who knows what you're going to end up doing, right? Or the kind of company you end up working for. So, well, it certainly worked out well for you. Um, it has. You know, it has. And I agree. I think the lesson in that is is keep your opportunities open right sometimes on our path things are presented and we just have to be ready and open to take advantage of those totally totally um you know Lori, you've been consistently recognized um you know in like the 50 most influential channel chiefs the crn you know um uh rankings um so that's Congratulations on that. And you've been able to, you know, maintain that through a couple of different uh, companies. And that's great. Um, talk about the, you know, your first sort of leadership roles within the channel, uh, some of the challenges that, you know, you had and, and, you know, how you dealt with some of that. Well, thank, thank you for that. You know, Frank, it, it, it would you know, I remember when you first sat me down when I was going to be nominated for Women of the Channel. 
I don't know if you remember this at Juniper and you, and you sat me down and, and I was thinking like, why is this such a big deal? But now I understand with that comes so much privilege and so much opportunity, you know, with that. So I'm so glad you did that at that moment. And I've been able to kind of honor that from that, you know, point forward, but you know, listen, I have played just about every role in channel inside sales. I worked my way up playing every role, channel cam, national account manager. I ran global system integrators, service provider. You remember that? I ran global MSPs. I did programs, marketing. So, you know, early in my career, I will tell you that I used to wait for people to kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, oh, you know, here's something that we want you to go off and do. And I thought that if I just came in, showed up well, worked really hard, that would be recognized. And sometimes that was the case. But more times than not, it was I had to raise my hand early and often and start to create opportunities for myself. And when I did that, I started to be recognized more as a channel chief. My first channel chief job, leaving Juniper Networks after 11 and a half years I was there, uh, was for with a company called Ixia. And they were test and measurement. They were getting into the enterprise. They had no enterprise play. They knew they needed to do channel. And the CEO at the time found my name in the CRN magazine for women of the channel. So see how that works, right? And he called, he reached out. Of course, you and I talked about it as we always do. And it seemed like a good fit. So, you know, it was learning the lesson of, just raising my hand and creating opportunities, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, it is kind of funny. The The other thing you realize once you're in it and back then, you know, maybe not as much, you didn't realize it, but it's a very small community and it's really all about, you know, relationships and working with people and getting to know people and getting engaged. And so, you know, you've been able to do that. Uh, the other thing, though, that's significant, you know, and you mentioned women in the channel, and that, you know, has has been a real welcome and needed uh, addition to, you know, our industry over the past years. And of course, I go back way longer than you, but you've also been in companies that, and certainly industries that have been pretty much male dominated for quite some time, particularly at the senior levels, right? Senior executive levels. So talk about you know, some of the opportunities and challenges uh, that, you know, that women deal with in the IT space, and also a little bit about what you've done, because I know you've been very engaged in Women of the Channel and then some other, um, you know, groups that, you know, worry and talk about, you know, diversity and, and you know, quality, et cetera. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for just talking about it. I think that's always the first step is just kind of acknowledging that, you know, listen, I always came to the table uh, wanting to be valued for the work I do and the things I bring, right? Simple and plain. But I did recognize scenarios where I was passed on promotions and other people were getting recognized for some of the things that I was doing. And so I really started to personally, you know, understand that. Um, I think though that you know, we're at an interesting time where we talk about these things now so freely, like customer, you know, customers now are paying attention to it. They want to buy from resellers and, you know, vendors that have 
a D, E, and I, and now you're hearing in B, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is now really important. So they want to know culturally that you're aligned, right? Resellers do that the same way. Um, but the conclusion really is, is that it, I believe that the tech industry has made significant progress. I was reading something yesterday and preparing for this, and it said that the women in IT has actually fallen to 28% in 2023 from 32. So it's not like it's huge, but it's starting to fall. Um, and that's because there, there still are challenges in the tech industry around gender bias, around discrimination, lack of representation. Um, and, you know, imposter syndrome seems to be a big, you know, thing for, for women kind of stepping into it. So, you know, I know that there's a lot of things that companies can do. And I think it just comes down to, having a real um, deliberate, intentional focus that is measured, that's, that's driven from the top up uh, is the only way that that starts to really improve. Um, and, and that's what it really comes down to is it not, it's not just kind of talking about it. It's kind of putting some real things, tangible things in place to say, we're going to increase women in, in these areas. And you know, Frank, people often ask me like, okay, but as an individual, like, what can I do? And I, you know, I, I share, you know, so many times when I get resumes for like a new hire, I'll push back to my recruiter and I'll say, I'd like to see more women. I'd like to see minorities kind of included in this. And you have the power to do that. Um, but that's just one example of something kind of small that individuals can do, but it really is, um, talking about it and kind of putting an action plan, I think is, is what really drives the change. Yeah. I, no, I think you're right. I think, you know, what I tell people is it's kind of interesting. So, you know, I started my career with IBM and right. as you know, and, and IBM, you know, has always been a company that um, back then it's one of its mantras was respect for the individual. Mm -hmm. And I remember having conversations with people and, you know, it was just, appalled that they would think that, you know, I would treat, you know, a male differently than a female, right? And best person for the job, to your point. Right. Um, I also had somebody talk to me at one point about, you know, pay scales. Was there a different pay scale? And there wasn't. It was based on whatever level you're at. But then I got to thinking about it. And then what I realized was that even though we did all of that, the problem was the gap was so big with you know male versus female, particularly at the senior levels, right? And we weren't doing anything proactive beyond just being equal. Right. And you realize that well, you're never going to make progress if that's the case. So you really did, and companies really do have to have a goal, have a set of targets. Um, and, and I think it's healthy. And you know this, the woman of the channel, like when CRN started that. I don't know, probably 10 years ago now or somewhere in that range. Yeah, you know, I remember thinking, I'm not quite sure what this is. You know, I mean, I, I obviously I understood, uh, you know, what, what it was, but I didn't understand how important the content was going to be right. um, and how significant it was until, you know, we started asking people to to join and asking people to get engaged. And then, you know, folks like you and Donna and and other folks that we worked with really got into it and it became significant and it is significant and it, it continues, you know, it which is continues to me. Yeah. yeah. Sold out event. Right. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, 
and it's necessary. Now that also leads me to another point, and then we're going to move on to your company and cybersecurity, et cetera. But the one other point I want to make it, make here is mentorship. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important, and I know you're very involved and in, in engaged in mentoring and helping people along the way. So talk a little bit about your philosophy there and, and kind of what you're doing there. Yeah. So, you know, it it is one of those, I, I think about my success, Frank, and I think about the people, including yourself, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on your podcast, but I think about the greats that I was surrounded with. You know, if we just talk about Juniper Networks, think about that, right? Yourself, Donna Grogan, Steve Pataki, David Helfer, you know, Jerry Elliott, uh, Tracy Newell, who's now on my board, right? I mean, it was like we had these powerhouse people um, and great representation of that and gave me moments where I could understand, giving me true feedback about how I can be better. I carry those things each day. I think about, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my biggest lessons uh, in working for you was just knowing your numbers, right? Know your business, knowing your numbers. You never wanted to be on the other side of, of that call with you, but that has carried through. And part of what makes me different from a lot of other channel chiefs is that philosophy, that philosophy of being, you know, numbers driven and, and those kinds of things. So I think that, mentorship is is really key i think that um women and men should be reaching out for mentors and really thinking about ways that they can you know really uh you know better themselves i still you know surround myself with advisors that i go to every time i take a new job you get a call right <laughs> two or three other people get a call and you've got to you never stop thinking that you know that you're alone in this, and that's the great part about it. The mentorship that I've kind of stepped in through uh, into is is part of the women of the channel, but also just people sort of inorganically reaching out that are stepping into this industry brand new, that are up and coming in this industry, um, and they really just want to understand some of the ways that. You know, I've been able to maneuver just to save them a few steps, people to connect, how to approach their next, uh, you know, uh, promotion and things like that. And so I'm always just thrilled to hear the stories of, hey, I got the promotion. Thank you, you know, for your time. And, you know, they're off and going. But it's a big part of of being successful, I think, yeah. it is continuing that for sure. Yeah, it is. It is. And paying it forward um frankly is is important right because we all have those stories uh you know i have uh you know the same stories with people over the years that have helped me you know tremendously so yeah so let's talk a little bit about um deep watch and oh, what yeah. you guys do um obviously cybersecurity is you know <laughs> never ending uh you know in terms of its importance it's more important than ever you know frankly um given you know given the environment that we we operate in um so talk a little bit about your company what you do and just kind of educate me and a few other folks on that yeah no worries and thank you for asking so D deep watch is the leader in managed detection and response when you think about us think about us as saying we're kind of the leader in managed security platform for cyber resilient enterprises so when customers are looking for people and platform solutions we kind of give it as one. Some some of our competitors just do people, just do platform. 
we're a full baked white service uh, managed service, if you will, provider. Now your uh, partner network um, are have have they, has it been established? You know, for a while. Are you dealing with a lot of new players? Are you dealing mostly with you know MSPs, MSSPs, or is it a kind of a combination of all of that? Yeah. So we, you know, I stepped into this role about a year ago. They had put some pieces of the puzzle already down that were great pieces of the puzzle that we just kind of connected sort of differently and off we go. There's some new pieces that we're integrating reseller partners that are focused on cyber resilience, cybersecurity, offering that. Um, and the reason for that is because they can build a heck of a business in the services that they offer surrounding our our platform and our solutions. And so the partners that are kind of deep in building services have a cyber, you know, resilient and a cybersecurity practice are the targets. Um, but we we really have kind of our baseline of what we're doing in the Americas. Uh, and we'll start to expand that uh, to Europe in the next, you know, 18, 24 months. Mm, good. So, Lori, when you went through earlier your background a little bit, and you've talked about having jobs in a number of different areas, starting with inside sales with distribution. And obviously, you know, um, it's a subject that's near and dear to my heart, um, given, you know, the role that I have today. So talk a little bit about that. So, you know, as part of the go-to-market strategy, what do you depend on, you know, your distributors to do? How important are they to you? And uh, and also, what are some areas that you would like to see them continue to invest in in order to be, you know, remain relevant? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I've had a heavy dependence on distribution throughout my career, especially starting in the channel chief. Uh, most of the companies that I've stepped into as a role of channel chief has been fast growth companies in the enterprise. Okay. And with that, that means I need to scale quickly. I've got to have fast return on investment, right? That's what our PE firms want to hear. So distributors play such a significant role when I'm talking about my expansion, my target reseller uh, you know, community that I haven't been able to touch. Um, expansion into Europe and in Asia becomes very, very, you know, quick for them to be able to pick up. But the biggest piece of it is then coordinating the alliance play and the reseller play and bringing that together in a consolidated effort um, has been really, really meaningful. Um, I think the other area that I've depended on them, which is key in cybersecurity, is their technical bench strength. Um, you know, being able to be kind of my eyes and ears, kind of understanding what the customer requirements are, you know, understanding how the reseller is kind of fitting into that, understanding how distribution is kind of surrounding that with some of the services where the reseller may lack in that capability, but then bringing that total solution to the customer, right? Transparent to them. There's all these things sort of happening that they consolidate. Yeah, you know, you just described very nicely, one of the things that I've been talking about for about a year now is this whole notion of distributors being the ecosystem orchestrators, right? Mm -hmm. Because we all know the ecosystems are growing, right? There's, there's, I can't even keep track of the acronyms anymore, but there's all kinds of different players out there, uh, you know, and it, what used to be a very linear model, right? Yeah. Vendor went to either Disty or a reseller and went to the end user. 
And now it's just, you know, much more complicated than that. And my theory has been, and I've been talking about it for about a year, maybe a little bit more, is somebody has to orchestrate all of that, right? Somebody has to be able to deal with it. And, you know, my argument has been who's in a better position than DISTE because they're right in the middle, you know, upstream to the vendor community and downstream to their customers, right? And to your point, um, the services component is becoming more and more significant. And one of the services is, you know, deep technical knowledge and skill set um, that they can help with. And you mentioned a really important point, and that's transparent to the, the customer. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the values that I think people forget sometimes, but the DISTEs are uh, not invading in that space, right? The, the, right. the Their customers are utilizing their services, um, you know, indirectly. Right. And so I think it's really significant. And what I'm what I'm beginning to sense over time is as things get more complicated, which they are, it's even becoming more significant. And, you know, you've been in the industry for a while. I've been in for a while plus. <laughs> um, and I can tell you that I I don't remember a time when it was more opportunity more technology innovation and more reasons for, you know, needing support, needing, you know, those types of things. Without a doubt. doubt. I think there's complexity in the market that our customers are trying to navigate. There's complexity in the resellers, right. In terms of, you know, their value add and things of that nature. And so, this is a prime opportunity for distribution, right? And, you know, the the biggest thing that I like to see is where they're recognizing this complexity and they're saying, I'm hearing it. Here's what we're going to do to kind of help you solve it, right? The ones that are doing that are doing it well and helping us navigate, leading us as opposed to waiting, you know, for us to kind of bring, because we're still trying to figure it all out as well, right? And so, I love the uh, the ones that are raising their hand and kind of leading us down through some of this noise for sure. Yeah, and that you know you uh, as you were saying that I was thinking about it because so you've had experience with obviously you know good sized companies certainly Juniper you know when we were leaving at the end was you know close to a five billion dollar business and but you've also had a lot of experience with startups right or, yeah, or much right. smaller companies yeah and so when you look at some of the processes and the capabilities that distributions put in place and their ability to scale that um, companies uh, like Deepwatch, uh, certainly and others uh, that are at, you know, early in their, in their uh, growth cycle um, can really capitalize on that. Absolutely. And a lot of times I would hear when I would go in with that notion and say, here's what I think we need to do to my executives at the company they were always told we're not large enough to get the attention of distribution, right? We need to wait until we get to volume. Yeah, certainly volume is key, but mind you, a lot of distributors look for early adopting vendors, right? Who's going to be the next sort of wave of technology and have teams that are dedicated to that. So you're not in the big swallow of a lot of things. You're actually, you know, have a really focused team. And I've, I've used really big distributors for very small, you know, parts of business that ended up growing beyond our, our uh, expectations. So 
it is a it is a great uh, way for early entry vendors growing from 50 to 100, 100 to half a million to a million to a billion. I mean, distributors save me time and help me make a lot of money getting think, to faster, right? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, um, certainly in the startup realm, are really good at understanding, and, and certainly the, the entrepreneurs are, of you know, from a product standpoint, understanding the value that the product brings. But we don't spend enough time thinking about the go-to-market piece because the go-to-market piece is the hard, is a hard, hard thing to do. Um, right. Now, we've got a lot of experience in all of it, right? Because you understand the direct piece, you understand the single-tier channel piece, the dual uh, multi-tier channel piece. But for a lot of folks that haven't spent their time in it, it's it's really seemingly more complicated than than you would think it should be. And right. so you need somebody to help you kind of navigate your way through that. And and Disney's done actually a good job because, you know, back in the day, Laurie, when I started with Disney, you know, I don't even want to say when, back in the 80s, um, you know, they were a bank and a warehouse, right? That, that's what they did. They 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 provided financing. Now, they still do that, but mm -hmm. uh, they built on that foundation um, and it's become really significant. And it's good to hear, you know, somebody like you who've been involved in a number of different companies and seeing the startup piece and are involved in that depend on that. You know, Absolutely. On, and yeah. here's what happens. It becomes part of my playbook. I sit down with a few distributors. I say, here is my end game. Here's what I have in terms of pieces of go to market and bring them into the fold to the conversation. Right. And they actually would help me understand, okay, these are actually good pieces. We don't actually need to touch the Americas, but Here's where we can really help you expand and end quickly. And they'll be really transparent about where they can help and where they can't and to align to your business goals. But if you bring them in early, then they have an opportunity to help shape that a bit more, right? Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's good. So um, kind of wrapping up a little bit here, sure. Laurie, um, just kind of in closing, when you sort of think about, um, you know, where you are today, where the business is today, what do you kind of view as, you know, major opportunities and also things that, you know, kind of you worry about a little bit? Like, for example, you know, the whole global environment, uh, you know, and the macroeconomic environment with, you know, wars in, you know, in Ukraine, in the Middle East and all kinds of things. What, what, what are you thinking as you're planning, you know, the next year, year and a half for your business? Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, you just said it, right? So many things to worry about. I literally have to turn off the news these days just to kind of catch my breath. But, you know, we're certainly seeing, we talked about it, uh, a lot of change. Uh, I, I want to make sure that we're able to keep up with the rate of change in terms of the way that our customers are responding to these things, right? Because that's most important. How are our customers responding to that? How are the requirements changing as part of that? Um, and just being uh, able to be adaptable uh, and to continue to create more value each and every day. Um, and the only way to really do that is kind of keep your pulse on what's happening, but also listening to my customers, listening to my resellers and bridging those things together to make sure that we're we're driving in the right direction. It doesn't mean that we're always going to be perfect and get it right every time, but we certainly want to make sure that 
you know, we're mindful about the things that are impacting our business and, and just connecting those pieces in a meaningful way. Yeah. Well, well, and the other piece is, you know, you're, you're, you're in such a growth area, frankly, where, where there is so much opportunity that, you know, sometimes, um, obviously everybody's impacted by the macroeconomic uh, environment. Sometimes though, you're in a space where it, there's just, there's just so much opportunity for, for you guys to continue to grow and, you know, do, do what you're doing. So that's great. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right. Cybersecurity is not going away, thankfully, yep. right. As long as we have attacks, as long as we're going to continue to see that we will be able to kind of come and have a job to do. Um, but, you know, again, it's about just making sure we can navigate and adapt through all the things that surround us. So. Well, good. Well, Laurie, this was great. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, and, you know, everybody kind of getting to know more about you and uh, what you do. And uh, I know you're going to be in the industry for a while here and you continue in your channel chief uh, roles and, and more perhaps at some point. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, no worries, Frank. Thank you for all that you all are doing at GTDC as well. That's always so hard to say, but rolls um, off your tongue, right? I mean, really. <laughs> but you know, let me just tell you, it it has always been a website that I go to, especially when I need to like do you've sent, you know, you'll see my text like, hey, I need the wide distribution, you yeah. know, again, right? I mean, so many great things that you've laid out there for people to just be able to grab and and value and the events that you all are doing are just so meaningful as well and keeping distribution top of mind. So thank you for all that you're doing in this industry as well and all you've done for me personally. So. Yeah, well, you're welcome and, and thanks again. And uh, I, I know we'll certainly be in touch. Okay, thanks, Frank. Thank you.